What's up? I'm Ben Hale, and this is the Easy Living Yards podcast. Creating a beautiful yard should be easy. Let's jump in and create the dream yard you deserve so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. Welcome to episode 92 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we're going to be talking about something a little different, something very unique, and that's actually part of the title of the show, Landscaping for Unique Situations. Today I want to focus specifically on a certain type of unique situations, and that is for special needs, as I might call it. So thinking about specific situations that certain people you know, not the major segment of of any given population um, might need, but specific groups of people that might need a special circumstance. And so today I want to really focus on various special needs for landscapes and how that might um, might benefit a certain type of, you know, person with either a disability or a, a a special need or a certain type of focus in life or a certain phase of life as well. And, you know, how we design our landscapes can really either benefit or detract from a person's lifestyle if they have a specific need in their life or they have a specific situation that not most of us deal with. So that's what I want to focus on with today's show. So let's dial back a little bit and think about what landscapes really are, right? If you think about the very core of it, a landscape is simply a piece of land, a chunk of land that has a boundary set by law, right? And our house is plopped in the middle of it, right? That's what our home landscape is. If you think about it at its very core essence, that's all it is, right? But there's so many more layers to it and so many more layers of what it could be. And so for most of us, it's, you know, also a space where we enter and leave our home, right? It's what kind of, it's the, it's the carpet that welcomes us into our home. And it either, you know, it can be a burden or it can be a space that adds to our life. And so I would love it for each of us, for all of us, that we, it could be a space that adds to our life and that it's not a burden, not something that takes away from the quality of our life or what we can do with our space as well. That's what I want out of our landscape. So think about it like this. Landscapes are a place to heal, a place to interact, a place to engage. Landscapes are a place to enjoy, to play, to escape, to reflect. I could go on and on, right? But those are some adjectives I could think about that really define what a landscape could be and and I would wager to say should be for most of us, right? A place to heal, a place to interact, to engage, to enjoy, play, escape, reflect. So if we think about our landscapes, they're really they can be a sensory experience, right? They're a space outside of our home that is in a way an extension of our home or a reflection of our home, right? What does home mean to us and how can our landscapes welcome us back to our home after a busy day? How can they, you know, welcome us back to our home after being away from home? How can they welcome a new person to our place and help define who we are 
to that person as they walk into our landscape. I'm being a little bit, you know, lofty here with some of this stuff, but this really ties into how you consider designing a landscape, even at the very core of where do you place a certain tree, right? That all can be defined, or that all can be, you know, uh, it can be influenced by what you really believe about your landscape and what it can do for you. So that's why it's important to think about this stuff. Because if you put it a, a tree, for example, in a certain space and you don't think about this, it could take away from your experience of the landscape. And we don't want to do that. Especially, coming back to, to, to today's topic, especially if you have specific considerations with your lifestyle that should be factored in to how we design your landscape. So I just kind of want to run through some stuff today of various situations. But again, let's think about landscapes a little bit more, right, from a few different angles. So what about landscapes is I I kind of started off with about a sensory experience. Landscapes can be a sensory experience. Sights, sounds, feeling, smelling. Those are all things that you can interact with your space right? We see the wind blow through a space, okay? We smell, you know, the the freshness after a rain in our landscape. We hear the wind rustling leaves, rustling the grass in our garden bed, right? These are all things that you can experience with your landscape, and they're very peaceful, energizing functions of a landscape. What if you walk around barefoot? You know, you have a beautiful space that's, that just entices you to take off your shoes and just to to actually fully interact with the landscape to actually feel grass under your feet as you walk around your space and thoroughly enjoy it you want to engage in a good landscape a beautiful landscape whether it's running walking sitting lying down in your space right reflecting pausing okay it can be a space for entertainment right having parties having meals just by just by yourself even going out there and having a meal having a meal with your family playing whether you're a grown up that likes to play that's that's totally acceptable and fine by the way <laughs> it's important for all of us right to connect with that sense of playfulness whatever that means right going out and tossing a ball right or just you know even you know anything that triggers the imagination can be your version of play, right? What about a space to engage with your friends, to bring your friends together, to create that sense of community in your own space, in the way you define it through your landscape? Also a place to connect with family, whether it's distance family or close family, or your immediate family that's there with you every day. Landscapes can be that place of gathering, right? So now let's think through a bunch of situations. And this situ- one of these situations or a very similar situation might apply to you. So, I'm, of course, I'm not going to cover every single special need in the world, right? But I want to highlight just a few ideas here. And, and by anything I say, I mean no offense to any of this stuff, right? So I want to come out with this with an open mind of trying to help in these situations and to identify with if, if you're dealing with this situation or someone you love is dealing with a situation where they might have a, a disability or, a, you know, um, 
uh, any sort of circumstance that requires maybe, or not, not necessarily even requires, but could be benefited by a different type of landscaping. Okay, so that's that's where I want to come off with this angle here. And so let's each consider what if we were in each of these situations. If we were the person experiencing this, and maybe you are already, right? But if we were, if you're not, what if we were this person? How would that influence how we deal with our yard? And if you know somebody like this, or if you you have somebody like this in your house of one of these situations, what can this mean for you? And I don't mean this episode to be definitive by any means, but more of like an idea generator, right? Let's think through a few thoughts. I've really kept this show an open-ended piece where I didn't write down too much specificity here with each of these ideas. I just wrote down a few topic areas. And I want to just kind of, we can kind of freewheel through some of this stuff think about some ideas, and I hope it generates some ideas for you. And remember, this is an opportunity for creativity. So if you're experiencing a certain disability, like let's say, for example, if you're wheelchair bound, right? For whatever reason, you're wheelchair bound, or you know somebody that's wheelchair bound that joins and, you know, comes and visits your landscape often, or somebody in your family is wheelchair bound, right? So that could be perceived as a limitation. It could also be perceived as an opportunity for creativity to really think about, aside from our typical landscape that you see in most people's homes, how is this an opportunity to create a new perspective on this specific landscape? Okay, so that's what I want us to think about here. So let's just start with that example. So if you or someone you know or someone in your family, or someone you love is wheelchair-bound, how would you go about designing that landscape? What could you do with your landscape to be more conducive to someone wheelchair-bound? And not even just more conducive or comfortable, but how can it be a more engaging experience than any other landscape they've experienced before? So let's start with the easy stuff, right? We We could put in, you know, a lot of flat areas, right, that are friendly to traverse with a wheelchair. A lot of spaces that you can, you can, you know, like a sidewalks, like hard paved areas, right? Ramps, right? So those are the quick and easy things, right? So, so let's think about that first, but how could more of our space be more engaging? Well, we don't necessarily need hardscape everywhere, right? So as long as we have a flat surface that can be traversed by a wheelchair, that's good enough. So we could even do, um, you know, small crushed gravel that's uh, tamped down to be uh, crossed easily. Or depending on where you're from, you know, it could be sand. Or it even could be uh, a nice evened out lawn, right? So a lawn that's not too bumpy or anything like that could potentially work as well. If we're really good about it, we could use uh, some concrete pavers or even brick. But brick can be difficult, right? Especially if you're in a frost-prone area. But if we use pavers with an appropriate base, that could also be a very decorative way to make something conducive to crossing with a wheelchair. Okay, so access is the first and most important thing when I think about being wheelchair-bound, right? And it's probably what most of us would think about. So let's think beyond that. So beyond that, if you're wheelchair-bound, you probably want, if if we want to engage with um, interaction with the landscape, right? We want things to be viewable from a lower perspective. 
So when we think about uh, focal points through our landscape, you want them to be more interactive at a lower level. Okay, so I'm not saying that, you know, everybody can look up, right? But what's in our normal viewing area? Here's a perfect example. When you go to a grocery store, there people actually pay to place their products at eye level of about five foot three inches to five foot six inches. Because that's the normal, the average height of most mothers and women that go and traditionally shop at grocery stores. I don't mean this in any, you know, derogatory way. This is how this is how pricing works, right? In a grocery store, right? And so just that that eye level piece is the highest price point price point for a product. Whereas six inches lower than that is a lower price point. Because it's most likely that people will see at first glance that eye level item. Likewise in the landscape your most your most attractive piece you want to be right at eye level right so if you are sitting in a wheelchair your eye level is much lower than a typical you know 5 foot 3 person right and so let's think about what we could do to add perspective to add uh, attractiveness to add focal points at that lower level So, of course, we still have trees and that sort of thing in the landscape. But if you have ornaments, for example, landscape ornaments, make sure they're visible from that lower level. And make sure the site planes are more open in your space. If you actually have a a well-planted garden with a lot of stuff there, you still want to have the right site planes through, through the area, which means you don't want things growing too high where if you're sitting in a wheelchair, you might not see something. So those are some thoughts. Likewise, so more interaction at that lower level. So this could be as simple as next to these paths, you can plant some grasses that arch over to the edge, but not too far, of course, where it's inhibiting wheelchair movement. So you want wide enough paths to access with a wheelchair, but you also can have things kind of arching over right to the edge where they can be easily touched, right? So grasses or herbaceous plants, beautiful flowers, right? So bringing in some pollinators right next to eye level, right? Where they, they can be easily seen and watched and and nice, beautiful foliage can be touched and interacted with, right? So that makes it an enjoyable experience. Also, fragrant flowers at that lower level, right? Where they can be smelled without having to stand up and bend over and reach to them and put your nose right up to it, right? So if you're in a wheelchair, you're less likely to be able to, you know, kind of step in the garden and and grab a few flowers and smell them with your nose and bend over, right? So make sure they're highly fragrant flowers, right, that you can interact with. And that's going to be one of the tools I talk about today, the special tools that you can have in your pocket for a lot of these needs. So like, like a viburnum bush, for example, viburnums are incredibly fragrant. They smell so beautiful in kind of that late spring time frame. They're just, you know, these plumes of perfume essentially waft through the air and not in an overwhelming manner, but an incredibly pleasant manner. And so that's a great example of, you know, a viburnum bush kind of set back away from the pathway might just really entice, you know, the nose to bring you into the landscape. Okay, so let's move on. What about if you know somebody or you have somebody in your family with autism, right? I am certainly not a professional when it comes to knowing everything there is to know about autism. 
But let's think about, you know, how the world might be perceived differently or how somebody that's autistic might have difficulty with with interacting with a, a typical landscape. So based on my general knowledge of autism, there the one of the first things I can think of is being easily distracted or overwhelmed by too much noise or too many different noises, right? Or too much visual stimulation or too many different visual stimulations. And if this is, if I make any mistakes of ignorance here, please pardon me with any of these things. So I don't mean it in that way uh, by, you know, maybe misdiagnosing any of these conditions I'm talking about. Uh, so with autism, right? So that's what I think of, right? Is, is somebody that needs to have a chance to be able to focus and to clear their senses from time to time. And so sometimes maybe a beautiful landscape with a lot of movement might be nice, but to also have spaces in that landscape where, where somebody that's maybe autistic could, could escape to where it's just peaceful and quieter with less movement. So, you know, remove sight lines to vehicles passing by, remove sight lines to a lot of stuff going on and allow a a, a space for recharging and refocusing, right? Also, I can think of how highly interactive spaces, especially for children that are autistic, highly interactive spaces where there are physical things that, that, uh, uh, children can touch and feel and, and, and kind of mold and interact. So my mind immediately goes to natural play spaces. And if you haven't seen a natural play space, um, definitely check them out. There's, there's a lot of resources online that talk about them as well. And, and you know what I'll try and do? I'm, I'm jotting down a note right now to, um, to, to link to a Pinterest board that I have with a bunch of ideas for natural play spaces. So natural play spaces are wonderful for any child but I can especially think that uh, autistic children would particularly interact with these areas very well because there's a lot of very raw things that children can interact with. So materials like wood and water, if, if, if you want water in your landscape to play with, um, or, you know, very um, like, or even like a, a, it's not exactly a natural play space, but like outdoor kitchens for kids to do things uh, like, you know, utensils and bowls and things like that, uh, that they can interact with and create and imagine. Um, and, uh, you know, things like that, natural things they can climb over, um, dirt, access to dirt to just kind of play around with, those sorts of things. Really interesting stuff um, that there's a lot of uh, kind of data and research coming out to show that these spaces are really good for child development. So those are the things I can think of for autism is is spaces that uh, they, um, people can kind of escape from for a little bit or escape to for a little bit that blocks a lot of overwhelm with sensory experiences and kind of allows people to recharge um, to, but also at the same time when, when they want to, it allows them to interact with this space. And you'll see a lot of common threads through the, a lot of the examples I'm giving today is, is interaction is a key thing. So figuring out how to tailor interaction with the landscape, no matter what your needs are, is, is really important to me because interacting with spaces is what helps you to love the space, to experience the space more fully. 
and to get the best value out of the space to help you recharge and to reset. Because I really feel like landscapes, that's what's really important about landscapes is to allow you to reset yourself, especially in this crazy, busy world. And I'm talking about whether you have, you know, one of these uh, types of unique conditions or not, right? For all of us. And so figuring out with creative thinking how no matter who you are or, you know, what difference you have from other people, how does your landscape best serve you is really what today is about. What if you're deaf, right? If you have a landscape and you're deaf, you're missing one of the senses, right? So if you're missing the sense of sound, right? When wind blows through the trees, to me, that's such a beautiful sound, right? Wind blowing through the trees or blowing through grasses, making that soft rustling sound, blocking out all those busy sounds of the world, hearing the birds come through the landscape, insects flying through, right? These are all wonderful, wonderful parts of experience the landscape. So what if you don't have that? What do you do? Well, here again is an opportunity for creativity, right? So if we don't have the sense of sound, how do we create the perception of sound through other senses? How do we also further enhance perception of of other senses through the landscape? That's what I perceive if you're deaf, right? Is creating more opportunities for interaction with the landscape through touch, through smell, and through sight, right? These are all things you can do. Of course, maybe maybe through taste as well, right? But that's if you want an edible landscape, right? Of course. Um, that's a whole different topic we could talk about as well. But let's just focus on touch and smell and sight. So sight, let's start there, right? Visual pleasure of a landscape, right? So I would say that in a way is no different than any other landscape, except that maybe we just rely on it a little bit more to bring in that sense or that perception of sound through movement. So even if I didn't have the sense of hearing, I could see the wind blowing through trees, dancing through really soft grasses, right? So grasses that easily sway in the wind. Make sure those grasses are present through as much of the year as possible so we can experience that. So anytime I see movement like that, even if I'm inside looking through a window, right? That's an example of of essentially being deaf in a landscape, right? I can perceive the landscape without sound. I can still assume that those trees are making noise as the wind blows through it, right? That the wind chimes, if I can't even hear them, they're making sounds. So instead of wind chimes, potentially you can have just, you know, wind socks, right? Things that dance in the wind throughout your landscape. Things that look beautiful to you, of course, right? It doesn't have to be a wind sock, Um particular things that that interact with the wind to create movement in the landscape and through movement you have the perception of sound likewise we want to draw you in to touch it just like we talked about with being wheelchair bound and being autistic right and this will be a very common thread but textures in the landscape unique things that make you want to bend down and touch it or to run your hands through it right Those are things that can really bring you out in the landscape and enjoy it more fully, even if you're missing 
one of your senses. Okay, now let's switch gears. What if you're blind, right? So we just talked about not having the sense of hearing, but what if you don't have the sense of sight? So this one might be, you know, it's a bit challenging in a different way, right? So if you don't have the sense of sound, right, you miss out on that that visual or that that auditory experience, right? Of of really what could really enhance your experience with the landscape. So it's bringing in those other senses to kind of help with that. With with not having the sense of sight, there are a couple factors here. One is safety, right? Helping you to be in a landscape where you're safe enough, where you're not going to fall over something or trip on something, and so on and so forth. So we have to address that safety piece, but then also we want to enhance that landscape experience. So here we want to create opportunities for smell, right? For sound. So, so we can rely more heavily on sound, right? This is an example where, <laughs> you know, you could have the ugly, ugliest landscape in the world to a blind person and, and it could still be perceived as beauty, right? So how do we create a beautiful landscape? that can be perceived as beauty no matter what from an auditory standpoint and from a a touch standpoint, from a smell standpoint. That's what's true beauty to a blind person, I can assume. So I'm going to go ahead and close my eyes right now. I have the windows cracked just a moment. I encourage you to do the same unless you're driving, of course, or, you know, doing something where you need to see, like running or driving, or operating heavy machinery, so on and so forth, right? Of course. But if you close your eyes, closing my eyes helps me focus for one. It also heightens my sense of sound, more perceptive of what I smell, right? So now I'm focusing just on my hearing and my smell, my touch, right? What am I touching? Okay. So we're still perceiving things just in a different way, right? And so how can we go out into our landscape and use those other senses? Again, I talked about those viburnum bushes. So think of plants throughout the year that flower or provide some sort of fragrance, right? Smell beautiful or give some sort of smell like a, you know, what if you have an area that grows pines, right? Grow some pines. Grow some things that really smell wonderful to, to when you go out in the landscape. Maybe you could plant some, you know, if you if you have a, a path, right, you could plant some uh, creeping thyme in between. You know, things that don't create a tripping hazard, of course. But creeping thyme has a beautiful smell when you step over it, right? Things that when you touch them, they provide a smell too. So they have an interactive experience like lemongrass or a lot of your herbs, right? thyme, basil, oregano, rosemary, lavender. These are all beautiful smelling herbs when you touch them. Peppermints are wonderful. They're wonderful low-maintenance plants that really fill in a space. They can be a bit too much if you're not careful. These are all things, if if you touch them, it brings out another whole sense to experience. Things that people miss out that don't touch them. And so when you're blind, you're, you're drawn to touch these spaces to interact course then too you'd probably want to avoid things that have thorns on them right you don't want to be enticing somebody to touch everything and then they come and grass and grab a, a thorny plant right so think about what you could do with your landscape 
where you can more fully experience it through touch and smell and sound. So again, those beautiful sounds of the trees, you know, blowing and dancing in the wind. So things like a an aspen or a cottonwood, those trees, the leaves quake at the slightest wind. So you get this wonderful sound in the landscape, even with the slightest little breeze. So you can use trees that really move in the wind. Likewise, grasses that have beautiful wispy foliage that really dance in the wind as well. Great examples. Okay, let's keep moving on. So what about if you're colorblind? So we talked about some, you know, conventional disabilities so far, right? Things that people consider disabilities. But again, they're opportunities for creativity and to more fully experience things in other ways that that most of us might miss out on, right? That's another way to perceive what's commonly called a disability. What if you're colorblind, right? So you don't experience seeing the colors that other people see, right? Well, we can enhance, the again, all those other sensory aspects of the landscape, but also, if somebody's colorblind, enhance the, the factors that they do perceive, right? So if you're colorblind, Go and pick out what's beautiful to you. Make sure, of course, you run it by your your spouse or your friend that that is not colorblind and, and also would perceive it as beautiful too, right? Of course. But find that happy medium where you find it beautiful in your own way and other people also find it beautiful that, that maybe perceive colors differently, right? Likewise, this is where we really rely on visual texture, visual sh- structure more. Okay, so how does the the form of a plant look? Is it a densely formed plant, right? Or is it very loose texture, right? Or, you know, is it a very vertical plant, a columnar type plant versus a, a more pyramidal shape or an open form or a rounded shape, right? So interacting with these different shapes and textures and forms to bring together a, a, a fully constructed landscape. So it doesn't look like just a giant blob to somebody that doesn't perceive all the colors there, but looks like a very visually interesting space in its own right. Okay, what about if you're aging, or you know somebody that's aging, or maybe you're caring for, for an aging parent, and you're trying to care for their landscape? Well, the first thing is you want to create a low-maintenance landscape, right? If it's not your, your house, Maybe you have to visit your parents a lot, right? Take care of their space, to mow their grass all the time, to shovel their walk. Well, let's let's transform that into one of these low-maintenance landscapes that we like to talk about. Maybe convert some of that lawn into a, uh, a meadow, which is a teaser for a future episode, by the way. Or into a low-maintenance garden bed, right? Do things that allow your space to be beautiful. And if you're not out there physically on it all the time, to turn it into something that's less maintenance, less work, and brings in more beauty, more interaction with the space too, okay? Likewise, making sure it's just like being wheelchair-bound, make sure it's easily accessible. Just like if you're blind too, maybe you want to consider putting in railings that guide you through the landscape. If you're aging, it helps you, you know, if you're having balance issues, for example, helps you traverse your landscape much more easily without having to drag around your walker, for example. To have a railing to guide you through the landscape, to help you stand up and sit down, right? Create spaces that allow that easily, easy interaction without pain. Those are all wonderful things. And then, of course, making it easy to maintain, right? So you don't have to be stooping down, pulling weeds, that sort of thing. 
What if you, or a young one you know, or in your family, maybe a child, has ADHD, right? Maybe your kid struggles at school all day to sit still. Then they come home, right? Well, you don't want them to have to sit still and and not touch this, not touch that all the time. So how do you create a beautiful, wonderful space that your children can interact freely with? That's what I think about. And that engages your child, right? Stimulates your child, makes them want to learn, want to know more, helps them focus on one thing for a little bit, right? So learning about a landscape, seeing insects come through and learning about those insects and what they're doing, learning about the plants in your landscape, and also being able to just be free, right? To be a little bit destructive, to have a little bit of fun, and knowing that it's not going to overall majorly hurt things in your yard. Of course, right, there's limitations, right? If you want a beautiful landscape, they can't just be digging pits everywhere, right? Well, maybe making a space where they can do that, right? A space where it's safe to be a little bit destructive, a little bit wild, a little bit crazy. And then also spaces that have to be a little bit nicer, but still allow interaction and you know, running through the garden bed is an okay thing maybe, right? So creating a low-maintenance garden bed that allows that. So how can you do that to further enhance the growth and development of your child with ADHD? Or maybe, you know, a lot of us grown-ups, right? I feel like a lot of us are misdiagnosed or not diagnosed ADHD conventionally, right? If I weren't in grade school right now, I may have may have been one of those kids, right? So how, are the, how can you change your landscape to help you focus too? What are the things that draw you into your space and allow you just to, just to decouple from the world, right? After a busy long day of having to sit still, having to focus all day, you're burned out mentally, you're stressed, right? Even if you're not ADHD, these are things we all feel, right? Well, how can we just decouple our brains from caring for a little while and, and, you know, reconnect with nature for a little bit, you know, having a garden bed that we can just, you know, go out there and tweak and, you know, mess around with, not that we have to, but that it's just a way to, you know, kind of reset, hit the reset button for the day. How can you create a more interactive space that you want to be in, right? You'd rather go outside than sit on your couch and turn on Netflix, right? Create that rejuvenating experience for yourself, Okay, and then that, that's a perfect segue into my last thought here, which is stress. Again, landscapes are, are a wonderful way not only to express our home, but to allow us to interact with our space. That's what today's show is really all about. And that no matter what our situation in life, we can create a space to better interact and create a space that, that more fully allows us to live in our homes through our landscapes. And stress is no different, right? Create that space, just like I was talking about. Coming home from work, stressed out. A space we can go to reflect, to sit, to tinker around with in our landscape. You know, just have a few plants all the time that you can plant, maybe, right? (laughs) Have it planned out so you know they're the right spot. Whatever it is, a space that brings you back, helps you reset, helps you be your truer self. That's what landscapes should be for. That's what I want it to be for you. So we got a toolbox here. I know today's show is going a little bit longer than normal. 
I want to talk about this toolbox, right? These are tools you can use in your landscape, no matter what your special scenario is. We all have some sort of special scenario of how we can better engage with our landscape, better interact with our space. And especially if you have, you know, a very special needs situation that, you know, a typical landscape might not serve you in the same way as it does for a lot of other people. So think about these different elements as tools in your toolbox. Plants with texture. Plants with texture are things like, think, okay, to me, like an archetype plant for this would be like a weeping willow, right? Those beautiful long fronds dropping off and and kind of that big wispy shape that looks like Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street. Or, you know, um, other, you know, other plants like that. Grasses really, you know, I love grasses right now. And, you know, how they have that wonderful texture, that wispiness to them, right? So things like that. Plants that really make you want to engage with them and interact with them. How about a barefoot-friendly space? Again, this is another tool you can use to really make you want to interact with your space. Take off your shoes and reconnect with the world that we evolved in, right? It's going back to your primal roots, right? Okay? And, And I think there's actually truth to that. That's how I feel, is when I go outside barefoot, I feel more connected with that space. And I want you to be more connected with your space. Natural play areas, whether you're a big kid or a little kid, natural play areas are spaces that allow us to to decouple, to further engage with the world around us, and to just be imaginative and to be ourselves for a little while. Okay? And what a natural play area is, of course, is if you're a big kid, it might be different, right? It might be a garden, right? But when I'm talking specifically down to, you know, the specific example here is is those spaces for children to really interact and to have imaginative, creative play. What about wind and water, right? Wind and water are elements, right? Of course, not, you know, periodic table elements, but they're elements in a landscape, Bringing wind into the landscape, allow it to be expressive through our landscape. Likewise, water. How can water be in our landscape and be expressive as well, right? Bring energy into our landscape. How can we attract other creatures to our landscape to really make our landscape buzz and hum and tweet, right? So bringing insects in and birds in, right? Different times of year, how can we attract those creatures into our landscape to really help us to engage with that space, All right, next tool, little different, railings and borders. Okay, very definitive pieces. Railings can really be helpful, especially if you need help with balance or standing or knowing where the the boundary line is and you have, you know, maybe have trouble figuring that out without the sense of sight, right? Um, Borders as well help help define a space so you can stay confined to a specific area if you need to for a safety standpoint or whatever. Integrating smells, right? Trees and shrubs with beautiful flowers, right? That really are fragrant, right? Also, grasses can have their own characteristic smell as well. And, and, you know, all these nuanced smells can really help you create a beautiful landscape from a sensory experience. The smell of running, you know, oxygenated water, right? You can smell that kind of like how people can smell rain too. Maybe you don't have as sensitive of a nose, but... How can you smell water? That's kind of crazy thinking, right? But, but you know, having running water in your landscape can actually kind of refresh the space, okay? 
Of course, next thing, this isn't exactly a clear set tool, but maintenance and durability, right? Focusing on those aspects, at least, can help define what type of materials you have in your space, how you plant your plants, what you select to plant in your space, okay? All right, so that's the end of my little toolbox there. And I want to just focus, too, if you're a caregiver listening to this show, right? It's a little different when you're not the person that has the specific need that you're tailoring. But I want to I want to also reach out to you, too, as a caregiver, right? As the one who provides the care. You also want, you want multiple things, right? First, it's so hard to, to take time for yourself, okay? And this is important. So having a landscape that can help you recharge quickly, right? To not feel as guilty about taking a little bit of time for yourself to recharge is important. Okay? Likewise, what about if it's not your space you're thinking about? Creating a space that's easy to maintain, right? Ease of maintenance is really important. So think about those things. And one last thing too is, you know, especially if you're caring for an aging person or, you know, somewhere, someone you're really appreciative of the time that you have to take care of them. Think about this as an opportunity to create memories. So how can you provide more opportunities to create lasting, beautiful memories with the one you love in your landscape? This is what landscapes are about. Experience life together, to create memories together, to have a beautiful space to enjoy your memories together. I'm going to wrap up there, guys. This show, you know, again, if I, I hope I didn't offend anybody. That's not my intent with anything I talked about or anything that I might have missed. And so instead, I want to show from a, from, I hope I convey a sense of empathy with whatever situation you might be in and working through that I hope some of these ideas can help you with your landscape and caring for your loved ones or caring for yourself as well and to more fully experience life together. All right, guys, one more thing. If you're listening to this in November, soon after the podcast airs, I've got a cool new feature that I'm trying to uh, launch, and I want you to be aware of it in case this is something interesting to you. So I am offering free live trainings on various topics over the next month or so, and I'm going to test out this new idea to see how much you guys like it. So if you're interested on what to do with your yard now so you can stop stressing and enjoy life more, that's the first topic I'm going to talk about. These will be live trainings. So go on over, check out the link for the next live training in the show notes. You can go over to easylivingyards.com live to check out the information and join for the next live call. I'm super excited to work with live with you guys to be able to talk with you, answer your questions at the end of the training as well. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a specific topic. So in this one, it will be what to do with your yard now so you can stop stressing and enjoy life more. So if you're interested in that topic and if you're overwhelmed with your landscape, if you feel stressed about your landscape, this is the perfect opportunity to really get some just helpful training to get started on what to do with your landscape next. So I'm super excited to work with you guys. After the training, I'll have a live Q&A as well where we can I can answer your questions. So there's like a live chat option. And so after I'm done doing the training piece or the, you know, the session, whatever you want to call it, 
then I will answer your specific questions and we'll go through them and, and really try and make a positive difference in your landscape. So if you're interested, go on over, check it out, easylivingyards.com slash live. I look forward to chatting with you guys. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up there. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.